it's December and whoa, we're already wondering how 2021 showed us the way out. Also, it's time of resolutions, of holidays, families, and lots of fun. Gifting has been an age-old way of sharing enjoyment and love and definitely brings people together in celebration. But what about the hours of discussions, link sharing, and endless thoughts on what to gift ourselves and the people around? Welcome to the podcast with me, Ashwarya. Today's episode is going to be super delightful, discussing all things tech, communities, and gifting with Dahlia Patan, the founder of Presently. Dahlia has spent a decade focusing on design-led innovation, entrepreneurship, and storytelling, and she's on a mission to make the future of work and gifting simplified. Hey, Dahlia, it's great to have you with us here on this episode. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, and I'm really excited to chat with you about all the great things you have in store. So um, let's start with what led you here from um, leading marketing, running a design project with 4 million users, followed by consulting and then to building products and startups. How did you discover and channelize all of these different facets, Dania? Great question. I was definitely a curious kid. <laughs> I think that's probably the best <laughs> place to start. Um, and it didn't hurt that my mom was kind of a tiger mom as well. So. I was always reading and learning. My mom was always signing me up for different activities. I was doing everything from gymnastics to piano to like reading Harry Potter books the day that it came out and finishing it before the sun came up. Um, so I was always a very curious child with a lot of different interests. And I think what helped me, um, you know, translate many different interests into a life where all of these different facets are integrated is probably the fact that it came from a very multicultural family seeing so many cultures blended into one family meant that the idea of bringing together many diverse interests almost was built into the way that I thought and the way that I did everything that I did. So um, a lot of it, I would say, is like my family's influence, obviously. A lot of it was also just mm -hmm. me always um, asking questions and wondering how things worked and wanting to try new things to see what brought me joy in life. Oh, that's nice. No, I, I uh, really like the way you said how um, curiosity is not just about uh, looking at things, but you know, actually asking how things work and trying to understand the why behind it. And I guess that's how you were able to connect a lot of dots together and uh, adding on to the multicultural aspect that you mentioned. It's it's great to know. And you didn't stop with just uh, looking at it at more uh, recreational point of view. You were able to pick these threads up and probably apply it to most of the jobs and, and career uh, aspects that you picked up in different times. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, the graphic design stuff, it literally started because I was playing around with MySpace as a 12 year old and wanted to have more customization on my profile. So I learned how to code and I learned how to design. And then that, of course, is now coming up as a founder, but also came up when I was a management consultant. You know, you build a lot of decks as a management consultant and uh, a lot of the influences of my early graphic design project ended up channeling through into making me um, a really great deck designer and a storyteller later on. So all the interests kind of played in together and it was always, um, it's always fun to see now looking back how the things that mm -hmm. I know or the things that I do or I enjoy today are things that were influenced by projects or curiosities I had as a kid. Absolutely. No wonder, like you mentioned, it's going to come in different facets of, of your work. Uh, that's great, great stuff, Dalia. 
Awesome. So, um, you know, now this makes me wonder if it was one of these curious skills that you picked up. Uh, may you eventually go into the whole platform of um, gifting? And uh, this is going to sound funny because there's one thing that we all agree in, in every household across the world is that we always have untouched gifts and we end up collecting them and, you know, like circulating them in a round robin way grow this idea and build a product like recently what was the spark for you when you initially thought about this uh, you know building this whole thing that's a great point and my family was definitely no exception we had a lot of people in my family <laughs> whose love language was gifting but that didn't mean that they oh, were good gifters or really understood us you know so um you know i i got a lot of small tchotchkes growing up that kind of sat in my attic or sat in you know a closet in my desk um, but yeah, I think for me, the, the big spark was really fast forward to being an adult when I was looking back at my own little brothers and how much they had amassed over, you know, celebrations with their friends and with family. Um, the story goes that I was visiting my family about three years ago. And at the time my brothers were, uh, nine and 16 or 17. Um, and I, I was visiting home and literally every closet I opened was overfilled with not only their old <laughs> things, but my old things, my sister's old things. And so we had reached a point as a family where we just had all this junk that wasn't being used, even though we tried to donate, you know, every few years we'd give away the toys that we were no longer playing with. We still had all this stuff. And I wanted to figure out how can we better show love and care and appreciation during our special occasions but in a way that's not bad for the environment, not bad for kids' development, and actually makes you feel closer to someone. Because oftentimes if a gift just ends up in a closet, like I don't know if that person is really feeling uh, closer to the person who gave it to them versus not. So that was kind of the inspiration for me is just seeing my little brothers and all the junk that they had um, and re realizing that a lot of it, you know, I had the same problem, my sister had the same problem, and many people have the same problem. So, mm -hmm. That's kind of what came to be presently. It was a side project that I had started just to make it easier for my brother and his classmates to give gifts around birthdays. So instead of every kid bringing a little $20 plastic toy to the party, um, everyone can pitch in funds for one big gift that the child really wants that year and is really excited about. And I did a lot of research. You know, I talked to my brother. I talked to a lot of his classmates. I even talked to their parents and just asked them questions around like, you know, what they like or dislike about the gift giving process, what they would, uh, what, what gifts they actually enjoyed every year, what they remembered at the end of a year of birthday gifts and holiday gifts. So um, yeah, built a quick MVP and then fast forward a few months, unfortunately the pandemic hit in the world and friends and family could no longer celebrate together and the company kind of took off. So it was no longer a side project at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a classic side project turned main project, you know, with the whole pandemic setting in. And I think that's uh, definitely fantastic to hear, uh, especially the whole how it's done with your family. And somewhere, you know, when I heard you mention this, uh, for me, it looked like we went back to the basics of gifting, right? Because uh, what is gifting if not for understanding what the person would like and trying to show your care and, and sort of share the joy. And somewhere, I think growing up, we lost that. It was more about showing oh you know i've got this and let me go give this to them and and not really having a, a thought about would they like it or would this be of some help to them so somewhere what i really like about presently is it goes back to understanding that love and care and the warmth that you want to give to the other person uh and, and not just showing that oh yeah and another person gifting you but it's just to show that yeah i really care about you so uh that's that's great uh Dalia.
Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that's been most rewarding for me being a founder. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, research and talking to your customers in the startup world, and it's absolutely true. And so we literally ask our customers, you know, how did this experience on presently make you feel with regard to your closeness to the recipient, to other contributors or participants? And 73% mm -hmm. of people who use our platform say, I felt closer to them as a result of my time on this platform. Yeah. So it's really been the most rewarding mm -hmm. thing for me is just seeing that the reason I started the company or one of the many reasons I started the company, um, we're successfully pushing the needle on making an impact in the space of connection and celebration. Definitely. And I think gifting, if not for uh, you know multiple other factors that contribute to the whole connect connection and collaboration gifting is is the base of all of this because at the end of the day you gift uh you know people your time your your valuables so i guess uh it's it's definitely a nice problem statement to uh to, to take up and, and solve for and since you mentioned a lot about um talking to customers and understanding what kind of an impact does presently leave with them uh i'm curious to know about one thing which is you know when it comes to designing these gifts you know, let's take a gang, for example, and our friends gang say, uh, just to plan for trips and even for gifting for occasions, you know, we take a lot of time and, and there's always a lot of back and forth exchanges. And most often we all don't agree on a particular thing. So how did this uh, idea help you transition this whole, you know, problem that could come with back and forthing? And how did it revolutionize this and build presently to address this? Sure. I wonder if you'll agree with this, but one thing that I've noticed in my friend groups is oftentimes you have all this back and forth and like people asking questions and whatever until one person just takes lead and says, okay, this is what we're going to do. If you guys want to come, like hop on the ship. And so we want to make it really easy for that person to take lead and take the charge and just, you know, have everyone else, have everyone else jump on board. And so for us, it's less about you know, how do we make the back and forth easier? And it's more about let's cut out the back and forth. Let's make it easier to go from nothing to a plan that others can join in on. And so for us, it's really focusing on the tools for organizers. So we make it easy for them to pick a gift through our platform. And the reason I say, um, you know, easy to pick a gift is because the recipient can actually swap the gift on our platform if they wanted to. So baked in oh, already, there's sense. kind of a safety net where like, if someone picks the wrong gift or picks a gift that maybe the person already has or maybe something you know that they'd appreciate more is available the recipient can actually swap that out so we, we take care of that pain point um and we actually also launched a side project called gift picker giftpicker.io mm -hmm. which helps people um you know take a quick quiz and even find some gift recommendations so we solve for that problem and then the second problem is really like how do you invite people and get people on board and make sure that everyone is participating we take care of that one as well. So by creating a gift page, you're no longer, you know, asking for Venmo requests, tracking in a spreadsheet, who gave, who didn't give, especially for big groups where you have to like really hunt people down because there's all those stragglers. Um, we put it all into one place. So you're not trying to separate out like, ooh, I got these Venmo requests, but I don't remember if this one's for like me for lunch the other day, or if this one's for the gift that we're getting for Sally. So we put all that into one place. We make it really easy to have the funds, the names, the messages, um, <clears throat> all of the above. Yeah, we make it easy to have all that in one place so that organizers can really just take the lead and um, invite others to join in as they wish. That's nice. Uh, you know, sounds like uh, this removes most of the hassles involved in the whole communication. 
and uh, it's good that all the messages and all the back and forth thing happens uh, right in one spot and it's it's always up to the point and you know like it's i could i could enter the portal or it could be another person in the team who enters the portal and everybody could see what's the current update and you know what's the kind of gift that's going on that that sounds interesting and of course you hit the right nail with saying you know one person takes the lead just just vibe with what you said there gifting as a service is uh, definitely that needs a lot of attention and i'm glad um, there's a tool out there to do that and um, that takes me to the next question actually which is more on the uh, business and the startup front um, and which is super relevant to what presently is doing because gifting as it is is suitable for every age group and a lot of these customer segments as well uh, because you could be um, consumer based you could also be team based so how do you see growth defined as a founder and what are some learnings that you've picked up dania sure so for us one of the questions early on was really you know do we want to focus on the consumer do we want to focus on enterprise and i think one of your jobs as a founder is really to figure out uh, your market entry. So who is most likely to be a power user really early on in the game? And by power user, I mean mm -hmm. both like your biggest advocates, but also those who are going to be using your platform most often. So for us, it was about figuring out where are people already gifting? Where are people already exhibiting this behavior of like doing things as a group? And where do they have enough frequency of occasions um, that it would make sense for them to use a platform like presently to save them a bunch of time. And one of the biggest uh, other things there that we're looking for is also where is there a large loosely connected network? So originally we had started with friends and family. And again, you kind of heard my founding story of how I really wanted to use it as a tool to bring friends and family closer together. But very quickly right. we found that some of our earliest adopters and some of our power users were employees at companies like Airbnb, Deloitte, Business Insider, Google, Facebook, you know, JP Morgan, you name it. And the reason for that is you have these large teams who are, you know, shifting to remote work. They can no longer pass around a card for birthdays. They can no longer pitch in money for a cake or for a gift card. And so there's this big gap in the workplace because the things that are such big drivers of culture and of employee engagement, which are celebrations and feeling like you're connected to your coworkers was kind of taken away by people going um, remote at work. So we actually decided really early on, you know, we're still business to consumer, even though we're focusing on the workplace. But we thought we have the biggest opportunity here to get this large army of power users very early on by focusing on this massive pain point in the workplace. And the way that our product design yeah. is designed, is there's a, a viral coefficient that's built into it, right? So the product is kind of growing itself. Our users are growing the product for us. So when one person in the workplace organizes a gift, they're probably inviting 20, 30 coworkers to take part in it. Sometimes smaller, sometimes bigger. We've seen as big even as like 300. Um, those, let's say 20 or 30 people that are invited now hear about our product. They get to use it firsthand. They get to experience whether or not this is something that they'd want to keep using in the future. Then they can go and take this to other teams or even to their family and friends back home for the holidays. So we're seeing a lot of people, even though we started focusing um, our attention over the past year on the workplace, we're seeing a lot of people bring it from their team back into the family and friends setting. So for us, it was a really great learning opportunity of just how to pick the right market to start off and also realizing that your mm -hmm. audience may change over time. 
not just as you pivot, but as your product evolves and as your consumers' behaviors evolve and bleed into other parts of their life. Certainly. I think I was just going to get at the last point that you mentioned, and you rightly summarized it for me. So, yeah, thanks. You know, what I really found interesting in this case is um, how you were able to not just, you know, figure out where you want to double down. So you kind of know that, oh, yeah, this is my power user target segment. I want to go deep into this. But at the same time, um, not exactly like a pivot, but sort of a pivot where you know from the market insights that, hey, there's another side segment that's also trying to work out in the same case. So it's kind of nice uh, and, and, and a great lesson that most listeners who are startup enthusiasts, who are product enthusiasts can look at and understand that not necessarily that your target audience always has to be uh, what you had in mind already. It could it could be dynamic. It could be whatever is happening around in your market. and you just have to be very careful in understanding what works really for you and be ready to make that shift or be ready to accommodate that uh, change that happens. So beautifully seen in, in Crescent's case. And uh, thanks again for mentioning about the viral loop part because I was going to get at it. It it's, sounds fun because this is naturally built. It's, it's very organic where uh, you don't have to put in a lot of effort uh, in this case because you know that uh, for somebody who's truly getting the impact, like you mentioned, the 73% of uh, and a satisfaction with, with the product is going to make them obviously invite the others to be a part of the gifting plan, which is going to make them do a lot of, uh, you know, word of mouth and, and viral marketing. So uh, it's, it's kind of nice where um, uh, something as simple and joyful as gifting is able to take on a lot of these complex growth marketing tactics. And uh, it's kind of fun to see that happening, Dalia. Absolutely. And I think it's important to remember, too, that, you know, you may have started a company, um, whoever is listening, may have started a company for a certain mission or goal in mind. Um, maybe they wanted to make an impact in a community that they're really, you know, close to, or they want to make an impact on the environment. And I think it's important to note that, like, change doesn't happen overnight, right? So even though mm -hmm. I started presently because I really wanted to make people feel closer with their friends and family, I had to broaden that a little bit and look a little bit on the on the sidelines and see how people were using it outside of friends and family. My hope is that we can continue right. to design a product that people love so that eventually it does come back to that target customer. But sometimes if you're you know building a startup, you have to recognize that the best path to impact isn't always linear. You sometimes will have to find other ways to do things or you know different milestones you have to hit before you're ready to make the type of impact that you want but it's important to still keep that in mind and have it as a North Star. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, and be more open to what's happening around and take cues from the whole external factors apart from whatever you've planned for the whole startup path. And I think that contributes to the non-linearity of it that things don't always go for the plan, but um, you also get enough insights for you to pick from the external factors like what happened with recently. Yeah, uh, that, that's a great point. Thanks, thanks for adding it listening and making sure that you know you don't get too blindsided or not blindsided but you don't get too um you don't see what's happening around you or you don't hear what customers are saying because that ability to ask questions and really deeply listen to your customers is probably the most important thing that'll determine whether or not you're successful as a founder so um talking about this um in fact leads me to another question about uh, the whole platform since we're talking how uh, founders can approach the market aspect so when it comes to a platform like this which involves multiple people and trying to cut down the whole hassles involved with back and forth thing i'm sure that it involves a lot of um, integrations and apis and the, and, and the whole payment gateways and 
all of these tech aspects. But I for sure know that major chunk of presently is no code. And I know that you actually vouch for no code being an advocate yourself. So would you like to touch upon that mm-hmm. aspect, Dalai? Sure. Um, I think it's super important, especially early days of a startup, especially when you're building MVPs, to recognize that like technology does not have to be an, a barrier to entry or a barrier to starting a company. So, you know, I did have somewhat of a coding background, but I very deliberately chose to go down more of a no-code slash low-code path. Like there still is a lot of custom code that mm-hmm. we built for our product. But there were a lot of things that, you know, helped us get off the ground really quickly, especially as we were pivoting. So it meant that we could build a product and pivot without any costly um, expenses tied to it or without any uh, time consuming rebuilds behind the scenes. So there are a couple tools that we use that I definitely recommend to anyone who is looking to start off, whether or not you're coding your product. These are uh, products that are going to change the way that you do work. One of them is Zapier. It is a no code automation tool. It is incredible for everything from you know, sending emails to customers, to managing your database, to um, even just like keeping things organized operationally. But yeah, there's there's many tools that have helped us just like Zapier um, very early on. And I'd say that it's helped us be a lot more nimble. It's helped us um, really uh, focus more on the product experience and how customers engage with us as a company and engage with the product rather than spending too much time or attention on uh, building or rebuilding products that already exist and having to almost like rebuild the wheel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it looks like it simplifies the whole user experience because you're able to put the kind of the idea out with the market, not just at an idea stage, but probably um, an execution of it with them uh, easily with the help of no code. So, um, uh, so it's it's like you save up time and you also get the feedback that you want uh, within the time that you expect it. So you can always go back to uh, tinkering around and getting the the best stuff out in in the next cycle. And anyone can learn it too. So whether you're a technical founder or a non-technical founder, there's so many tools out there, including like Bubble and Webflow that really remove um, any kind of barrier to being a founder and starting a company. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, um, that sounds great. Um, and in fact, since we're talking about no code, uh, there's another cycle of tech wave that we're seeing, which is uh, Web3. And I know you're an active Web3 entrant, and I see you to support a lot of these DAOs and crypto projects. So as the Web2 founder uh, tinkering around with um, uh, low-code, no-code tools, how do you understand and adapt to gearing up for this new change that's happening around us? That's a great question. I think Web3 is still relatively early. Um, I wouldn't even say that we're in like the early adopter phase of it yet with regard to like real-world applications. Um, but it's very mm-hmm. interesting for me as a Web2 founder um, to think about, you know, how can we continue to offer the best solutions for our customers using the technologies available? So rather than thinking, how can I build in Web3? I think I'm thinking more in terms of what is the problem that I'm solving for and what are the best tools or platforms um, or in this case, blockchains even that can help me accomplish that goal. So right now I'm less focused on, you know, how can I use the most, you know, esoteric um, up and coming technologies, and it's more what's the right fit for our customers and their problems right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's right. Okay. Um, so, but if you had to say something to, let's say, uh, fellow founders or 
uh, fellow folks who are in the tech space um, as somebody who's also learning crypto and who's also learning more about web3 is there like a finding or is there like a learning that you want to just share with people who are trying to know more about it yeah and i think a lot of people are still figuring it out and are learning but you know if you're curious about it there's definitely a lot of great um welcoming and inclusive communities that you can join whether it's in the DAO space, the NFT space, whether it's in the crypto space more broadly um, or blockchain space more broadly. So there's a lot of really welcoming communities and I encourage you to just kind of like poke around on Twitter and see what people are talking about. And if you're curious about it, maybe join a DAO or maybe join an NFT project. You don't have to buy an NFT to be part of the community and just listen and learn. Um, but keep in mind, like you're not gonna understand everything from day one, it's more of a, it's more of a commitment to a community. And I think that's one thing that um, is really unique about Web3 is that it's very community driven. So it's really about like helping uplift one another, but also about giving back to the community and you know learning and growing together. So if it's something anyone here is interested in, I'm happy to point you in the right direction. Um, it's definitely been exciting for me to learn about it and also just like meet people through the process. Um, I'm also really grateful for all the friends who've taken like 30 minutes or an hour out of their days to teach me about different aspects of it. But yeah, it's really fun. It feels different from web two, but at the same time, um, I don't think that like it's one or the other. I think that again, they're all tools to help solve problems and you just have to figure out what's the right tool to solve the problem that you're targeting. Yeah, makes sense. I think that's a nice mindset as well to look at it as uh, you know, problem solving tools again, because uh, just because it's Web3, it's not going to make it any different from whatever we are currently doing with Web2. It's it's all about identifying back to the problem and um, trying to see how best uh, this problem could be solved for the users. And in this case, it's going to be for a huge community that's invested in a common goal. So uh, I guess, yeah, it's like you mentioned, it's, it's the same in either way. And it's just, um, you know, we're just scratching the surface and there's a long way to go. But the core uh, part of it remains the same as Web2. Exactly. Okay, that brings us to the last part of this episode, which is rapid fire round. So um, I've got like a few questions for you, and the rule is you just don't have to think at all. Whatever comes to your mind as instantly as I ask the question, you could just tell me. So um, sounds good. Great, let's do it. Awesome. So um, here goes your first question. Um, where would your one day trip be? I'm a I'm a huge fan of like being out in nature and swimming. Um, if I had a day to go anywhere, I'd probably fly to somewhere really warm that has like great hikes and um, great either like hot springs or a beautiful beach to swim in. And I'd probably just enjoy that as just a time to be back in nature. Oh, that sounds so heartwarming already to just listen to it because uh, <laughs> what we really miss this time is outdoor ex exposure. So uh, definitely sounds fun. Awesome. So um, here's the second question. If you had to build a DAO for food, what would it be around? <laughs> I love that question. Um, <laughs> I love crepes. I think they're a really versatile food. Um, so I would probably start a DAO for crepes because it covers you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they're delicious. And I also love Nutella. Yeah, we all got the crepes is going to be the next, uh, you know, hashtag that's going to get popular very soon. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, yeah, so um, what's your first gift uh, by a presentee? 
So the first gift that was ever given on Presently was um, a chair for a one-year-old. It was like this really comfy reading chair for his bedroom uh, that had his name mm -hmm. engraved on it. And it was because he loved to like look at books and was learning how to read. And um, his parents wanted to really create a space in his room where he could be curious and sit and read for hours as soon as he was, you know, learning and able to. Um, mm -hmm. He was probably two, actually, now that I think about it. I don't think one-year-olds are reading, but he was probably two years old. <laughs> but that was so cute, the whole uh, reading thing for the baby. And um, sounds super comfy and setting up like a whole, um, you know, nice space for the kid. Yeah, it was really sweet. We were we were happy it was our first, like, first, um, <laughs> you know, customer on our platform. Who would have thought it's, it's, it's a two-year-old that's going to be like, the first customer on the platform. Um, so here's your last. Um, what's the one thing that you don't know and you're open to learning? Mm, good question. You have so many good questions. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. I think I've been really interested in woodworking for a while, so that might be the next thing I pick up. I'd love to learn how to build furniture, how to build like, you know, different things for around the house, how to fix things. Um, I've seen a lot of like furniture flips on, on TikTok and I love this idea of like upcycling and taking something that would have otherwise been trash and giving it a second life or a second home. So that was something around woodworking. Now that I remember there was another guest, um, who was talking to me about wood burning as well. So, uh, you know, the, the, the craft wood burning pieces of wood. So this sounds mm -hmm. super intense. So I think, um, it's, it's definitely going to help you at the end of the day. It's like super productive. Yeah, so um, thank you so much, Talia. I think it was absolutely fun for me to interact with you, talk all things about gifting. And for me, it opened up a lot of other thoughts around gifting because it's something that we can easily overlook. But I'm so glad um, a platform like Presently and all the work that you do as a part of this startup is helping uh, people to go back to the core of gifting, which is to make people feel special and to hold um, uh, the idea of celebrating joy and um, celebrating with, with the people who you feel uh, a close connection with so um all the best for uh, everything that you're doing and thanks a lot for um, sharing a, a lot of your thoughts today on this episode i had so much fun thank you so much for inviting me you are an amazing host and um, looking forward to our next conversation.